Well, dear ones, I'd like to greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Very good. I love collecting quotes, so let me just read some grandparent quotes. Grandmas are moms with lots of frosting. Grandfathers are just antique little boys. <laughs> Someone said, never have children, only have grandchildren. If I had known how wonderful it would be to be a grand, you know, to have grandchildren, I'd have had them first. My grandkids believe that I'm the oldest thing in the world. And after two or three hours with them, I believe it too. Well, grandparents are similar to a piece of string, handy to have around and easily wrapped around the fingers of their grandchildren. Grandparents, so easy to operate that even a child can do it. No cowboy has ever, was ever faster on a draw than a grandparent pulling a baby picture out from the wallet or showing pictures of their grandkids. Well, it's Grandparents Day at Indiana Wesleyan University. And so Grandma and Grandpa, welcome to IWU and welcome to chapel. We're happy to have you here today. So would you do it? Wonderful. We've been looking forward to this day. Allow me the privilege of being able to share just a few thoughts taken from the life of Joshua as it relates to grandparents and as it relates to grandchildren. That if you were to come to ask me who the heroes are that I have that are found in the Old Testament, high on that list would have to be Joshua. That first of all, I am drawn to Joshua's conquests. As a, as a young child living in Newark, New Jersey, I wanted to be a conqueror. I wanted to be a soldier, a victorious soldier. And one of the ways that this desire surfaced was the day that my brother, Tommy, and I, we found a caterpillar that was long and very thick. Well, we pretended that the caterpillar, that it was a wicked, green, and ugly dragon. And after torturing it for what seemed to be hours, we took turns then to playing it on the ground and with our feet stamping it flat. We loved it. <laughs> well, I know it sounds gross for some of you, but Tommy and I, we were intrigued with how the dragon's innards splatted all over the place. Now, I'm sure that if we did that today, that we would be fined by animal right advocates, but that was way back then. It's funny how different things can remind us, in fact, remind me of different things. In fact, a splattered caterpillar has a way of reminding me about Joshua, the warrior of God. That Joshua, he was a man of conquest. He was a mighty leader. He began life in Egypt as a slave under cruel Egyptian taskmasters, and over time, he eventually rose to become the leader of Israel through faithful obedience to Almighty God. When Moses sent 12 spies to scout out the land of Canaan, only Joshua and one other person by the name of Caleb believed the Israelites could conquer the land with the help of God. The heroic figure Joshua infused with strength, infused with courage, infused with faith, led the new generation of Israelites across the Jordan and into the land of promise, conquering Canaanites and overseeing the allotment of the inheritance among the tribes. But even though Joshua has high visibility in the Old Testament, 
The account is really foremost the story of God who worked powerfully on behalf of Israel and Joshua, fulfilling his covenant promises. You see, Joshua was successful because of his relationship with God. And thus, secondly, I am drawn to Joshua because of the connection that he had with the Almighty. It is God who Joshua depended upon. It is God who led Israel across the Jordan. It is God who defeated Israel's enemies. And it was God who presided over the appoint, apportionment of the land. And this connection that Joshua had with God, it really was based upon a continuing choice that he made. For as you and I enter into Joshua chapter 23 and chapter 24, the words in which Casey read for us, we recognize that the military leader of Israel, he is now an old man. He had completed the exodus that was begun by Moses. The land of Canaan had been conquered and now it was being settled. Spiritually, the passion that the now elder statesman Joshua had when he was a young man, he still possessed that deep passion within his heart that he wanted to be obedient to God, that he wanted to do all that God wanted him to do. You see, it's sad to me to realize the number of individuals who are recorded in the Bible who were used mightily by God, but God sidetracked in later years. Solomon, for instance, or King David, even God's great servant Moses failed God in his final days on earth, so much so that God could not let him lead the children of Israel into the promised land. But Joshua, he is an exception. His desire to follow and to serve God had not faded. That within the pages of the Old Testament, Joshua, he stands out as one of those rare biblical characters who consistently exemplified God's will and way throughout his entire lifetime. Joshua knew that he had now entered into the twilight years of his life. And as he readied himself to step down from being leader, he sadly began to observe that the people were being tempted to follow after false gods and pagan religions. And therefore, he decided that he needed to gather the people together to remind them about the goodness of God. The Great One had given them a land for which they did not work. They had lived in cities that they had not built. They enjoyed the fruits of vineyards that they had not planted. And then Joshua challenged the people with life's greatest choice. Choose you this day whom you will serve. You see, these words, I believe, reflect life's greatest choice. As important as a choice of vocation is, as important as a choice of education is, even the choice of a husband or a wife may be, none of these are the greatest choice of all. Life's greatest choice has to do with our relationship with God. And that choice is made when we come to grips with a question that we also find in Matthew chapter 27, verse 22, what will you do with Jesus, who is called the Christ? You see, this is life's greatest choice because it just doesn't affect us in our present life, but it also affects us for all eternity. And so without hesitation, without timidity, Joshua was testifying that he had long ago made the choice of faithfully following God. Can I share one of the things that we love about Grandparents' Day? One of the things I love about Grandparents' Day 
is recognizing that so many of you grandparents, you have made decisions to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that you model something for our young community that is here. In chapter 23 then, I then observed the challenges that Joshua presented to the Israelites. That upon gathering them together, he challenged them. He tells them, remember the great things that you have seen God do. Carefully observe the word of God. Serve God only. Intentionally hold fast unto God. Carefully love the Lord your God with all that you have. In essence, Joshua was urging the Israelites to claim God's promises for the present as well as for the future. And then you and I enter into Joshua chapter 24. And we see Joshua's second speech of challenge to the Israelites, recounting Israel's history from the days of Abraham to the day that he was now speaking. God had shown his faithfulness every step of the way. He had acted in history to redeem his people. He had sustained his people through difficult times in the wilderness. And he had dealt with his people totally by grace. Joshua then exhorted the Israelites to commit themselves fully to God. And what I especially appreciate about Joshua is this, is that he does not just challenge the Israelites to be committed, but he himself seems to renew his commitment when he says, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. You see, in his later years, Jonathan Edwards gave the following charge to his family, trust in God and you have nothing to fear. One of the things I contend is this. I feel that many elders in our society, in the American culture, that too often they begin to feel that they're no longer useful for the work of the Lord. In fact, I hear them sometimes mumbling words that go like this. I am old and I'm decrepit and I can't do anything anymore. And so because of that, I'm not much good to anyone out there. You know my response? That bunch of nonsense. You see, when Vernon Nola Ock's husband of 39 years passed away, she decided to start taking community college classes. After years of studying, she finally graduated with her granddaughter, both having lived together in an apartment on campus. Now, let me just share. I think that would be horrible. <laughs> I love grandparents, but that would have been a mess. But I want you to know something, that Nola, she graduated with a BA degree at the age of 95. The misconceptions that you, can't, that you can't learn new things when you're old is now being shattered thanks to a man called Kamina Marguge, who enrolled in the first grade at the age of 84. Bungee jumping is one of the most intense things that you can do to feed your adrenaline rush addiction. Young people tremble at the thought of tackling this death-defying feat. And so did Moore Keat. But he still took the plunge and entered the Guinness World Record as the oldest bungee jumper ever. He was 96 years old when he jumped a 708-foot drop. Smokey Dawson, touted as Australia's singing cowboy, released a collection of original songs in an album entitled Homestead of My Dreams at the age of 92, making him the oldest person to ever release a new album. Fuji Singh is 100 years old, and he runs marathons. 
And then let me give you one more. I want to tell you about a guy by the name of Jim Umfundisilo, <laughs> almost 61 years old, who a few weeks ago, upon the challenge of some students from Hodson, said, we challenge you to run the half marathon 13.1 miles. And I took up the challenge. And you know, on the day of the race, those that challenged me never showed up. <laughs> I want to tell you about Umfundisi Jim Lowe, who took the challenge that I came along and I captained Beckett East cardboard boat called the Tiger Mermaid during the Bowman boat races. And though the boat disintegrated only one foot from the start line, Umfundisi Jim, he courageously dragged the boat to the finish line. In fact, in fact, I thought that was such a heroic feat then we're going to show you a video clip of that. Well, grandparents, I want you to know something. The crazy things we as staff and faculty do to connect with your grandchild. <laughs> but I think I look pretty cool. <laughs> now, the reason I share that with you is because I can remember when I was young, I began to think that God could not use older people. I began probably the age of your grandchild here at this university that I would think that if a person reached around 35 years old, they were ancient and should be put on the shelf. I have since changed my tone because I have begun to realize that even at the age in which I am now, and now that I am a grandparent, I want you to know, I know that God still has a plan for me and has a purpose for me in this world. My father-in-law and mother-in-law, they never pastored a large church. The charges that they had oversight of, they were small congregations, most of them located out in tiny little towns in what I call cowboy territory. As an example, when I, when I first met them to ask for their daughter's hand in marriage, they were pastoring a church that was called the Biddle Wesleyan Church. The, po the population of Biddle, Montana, today they say it is 61. But back in the day, when I came the first time to Biddle, Montana, I think the population was more like 25. And that was if you were counting the cats and the dogs and the horses. And so in my arrogant end, in my snotty way, I looked down upon my in-laws. First, I thought to myself, thoughts like this, how could I respect a couple who possess no earthly signs and artifacts of success? Small congregation. Tiny church building, low salary, a dollhouse parsonage. I think you get the point. And second, I thought to myself, they are old. Or at least, again, I thought they were old because as I began to calculate it, the first time I met them, they were around 45 years old. And I thought to myself, what can old people contribute to society? But as the years began to pass, my love and my respect for my in-laws, they began to grow by leaps and bounds. 
because they taught me so much about loving the Lord and being willing to make significant sacrifices serving Him. And they showed me that older people do have a ministry. And one of the greatest contributions that my in-laws, they made in my life was this. They taught me the importance of prayer. Not by lecturing me on the fine points of prayer, but by modeling prayer lives that were vibrant and full of passion and full of compassion. That if you were to go visit them, you knew that every single day that we would be gathered together as a family, scripture would be read, and then we would get into positions because we knew that there was going to be a time of praying. And when my in-laws prayed, they prayed. They prayed for each family member by name. They prayed for each grandchild by name. They prayed for every grandchild that they had by name. They prayed for every single person who attended their church by name. They prayed for those who were parts of their other churches in which they had pastors in years gone by, all by name. They prayed for the leaders of the Wesleyan denomination, all by name. They prayed for Wesleyan missionaries by name. They prayed for national church leaders by name. They prayed for people who lived in Biddle, Montana by name. And I was glad it was only 25 back then. They prayed for those that surrounded Biddle, Montana by name. They prayed for different U.S. governmental leaders all by name. They prayed for leaders of other countries in the world all by name. They prayed for those who they read in the newspaper that were going through difficult times all by name. And one day, when I was in a bad mood and didn't want to spend a long period of time in prayer, I began to mumble to myself, and I made a statement that went like this. Why do they think that we need to pray for so long and go through so many different names? To which someone in the group approached me and said, would you want them to leave your name out when they pray? You see, Grandma and Granddad, we may be physically weakening, but we should be spiritually getting stronger and thus able to take up the challenge of standing the gap for our children as well as our grandchildren. Let me suggest some things that we should be praying for. We should be praying that our grandchildren will come to really know Jesus Christ as Savior. We should be praying that our grandchildren will grow in their knowledge and the love of Almighty God, developing an appetite of wanting to learn His Word so that their knowledge will be the foundation for a genuine fear and love towards God. We should be praying that our grandchildren will be surrounded by friends who share their love towards God, reinforcing faithfulness. We should be praying that our grandchildren will discover and pursue God's calling for their lives since living God's purpose for their lives will allow them to experience their highest productivity. We should be praying for our grandchildren that their lives will be instruments in making God famous to the world. We should be praying that our grandkids will have extraordinary lives so that people around them will see this and realize that they are experiencing the kind of lives that they are living because of their relationship with him. We should be praying for our grandchildren, who they are dating and who they're going to be marrying and who's going to be their, their teammate in ministry and serving the Lord in later years. And then I want you to notice one more thing with me. That Joshua comes along and he states, as for me and my house. You see, the household of Joshua no doubtedly included young people as well. 
I believe that the prayers of young people can also be powerful and effective. In South Africa, a young European young man, he found himself sitting on a curb next to an African Sutu man. The young white man had a deep desire to witness to the Sutu about God's saving grace, but due to not knowing the Sutu tribal language, he felt hindered to do so. But he believed in the power of Almighty God, and he believed that the God we serve is a God who is still able to perform miracles. And he sensed that God wanted him to share despite the challenge of the language, and thus he lowered his head. And he prayed to God to give him the gift of speaking the Sutu language. Upon raising his head, indicating that he had ended his time of prayer, he opened his mouth, and according to the testimony, the words that came out as he was sharing with the old tribal Sutu man, it was in a Sutu language. That according to the testimony that was given, the Sutu man, upon hearing this young man who had never spoken the Sutu language before but had been given it to him miraculously, that Sutu man gave his life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ became his Savior and became his Lord. You see, dear ones, I believe in the power of prayer, but I believe that young people also have the privilege of being able to pray for God to do his wonders. I have great confidence in the prayers of many of our IWU students. I believe in the prayers of young people. And therefore, as my challenge has been for grandparents to pray for grandkids, I challenge grandkids to pray for grandparents as well. That the power of prayer is not just given to one group of individuals, only one age group. But dear ones, we need to recognize that prayer is open to all those who claim to know Jesus Christ as their own personal Savior. And so grandmothers... Grandfathers, grandkids, I hope that you will take advantage of the privilege of prayer. That God is surely delighted when we take the time to pray, not only for ourselves, but also for the people who are closest to us. Praying for them individually and praying for them consistently. Well, since I be became the dean of the chapel, we began having kind of a tradition that we're going to continue on today. Now, one of the things, most beautiful sight I believe that I see on campus in a chapel service is when I see grandparents and grandchildren together praying for each other. So this is what I'm going to ask us to do. I'm going to ask that we stand up in a worship team. They're going to lead us in a song. And during the time of singing, this is what I'd like to do. I'd like to invite grandparents and your grandchildren coming together that if you want to, come and stand in the front of the stage, using the stage almost like an altar. And almost in a sense saying that I am bringing my grandchild, I am bringing my grandparents to the altar of God to spend time to pray over the one that I love. And so will you do me a favor, will you stand?